You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to Why Not Mint Money. I'm Sushant from Mint's personal finance team and today we talk about multi-asset allocation funds. For this, I've invited Kalpen Parit, CEO of DSP Mutual Fund. Please note that every investor has different risk appetite and what is suitable for others might not be suitable for you. Consult your financial advisor before investing. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started with your money journey. Hi Kalpen, thanks for coming to the Why Not Mint Money show and let's dive straight to the topic. Can you tell us what is a multi-asset allocation fund? Any fund which invests in multiple asset classes, more than one or two asset classes, is called a multi-asset fund. Uh, so, you know, you would have heard of uh, equity funds, debt funds, gold funds, funds investing in international stocks, uh, funds investing in precious metals or commodities. These are all single asset class funds. But when you mix multiple, all these asset classes together in one single entity, in one single fund, that becomes a multi-asset allocation fund. Uh, so, Kalpin, uh, uh, even in this category, there are a lot of funds, right? And all these funds use different types of strategies, allocation. Some might choose between stock, bonds, debt, and gold, while some others might choose to allocate between stocks, bonds, and REIT in which. So, uh, how does DSP plan to run this asset allocation, uh, multi-asset allocation fund, and how does it try to differentiate from other funds? So you are right that uh, there are many choices uh, that investors have uh, and and there are different funds with uh, different uh, design. We have gone back to very first principles that uh, what is this? It's a multi-asset allocation fund, which means it should have exposure to all the asset classes. And the exposure to all these asset classes should not be just token 5% or 10%, but it should be meaningful. That's the first principle. And the second principle is that it should invest in an asset class which is more attractive at a point in time uh, with a relatively higher weight. And if that asset class becomes less attractive, then it should bring the weight down. So it is a combination, first of all, of wider choice of asset classes. And within that, we will you know, increase or decrease or we'll calibrate our uh, exposure to each asset class depending on its relative attractiveness versus the others. So in our fund broadly, it will have uh, equities, and within equities, it will have Indian equities as well as global equities. We believe that, uh, you know, ultimately, <coughs> it is the asset class equity which makes long-term returns, not necessarily an asset class coming from a country. So ultimately, if good stocks uh, purchase at right prices, at right valuations, can come from anywhere in the world. They will come from India, they'll come from America, they'll come from Europe, they could come from Japan, they could come from China. So this portfolio will have a combination of Indian equities as well as global equities. Uh, it will have a component of fixed income because fixed income acts like a cushion. It acts like a seat belt or or a brake at times when you know you're driving a car. You want to apply a brake if you want to slow down. You are reaching your destination. You want to slow down, or there is you know a lot of traffic coming in the way and you want to slow down. So that is the role of fixed income. It will have you know precious metals mainly gold slash silver as a part of the portfolio. Because gold and silver, these are asset classes which do not have infinite supply. They are, you know, very, why are they called precious? Because, you know, you cannot constantly keep mining them uh, from below the earth. So the stock of 
gold or precious metals which is available the supply of these precious metals is very finite you know unlike stocks where companies can come and issue uh, new stocks unlike bonds where government can come and you know constantly issue bonds which has happened in the last 10 12 years with gold and silver you cannot keep printing gold you cannot keep printing silver so the supply is finite which makes them precious which makes them valuable in periods when traditional asset classes like equity and bonds uh, don't do well or they fall it has been observed that gold and uh, silver actually go up and so basically these will be the broad four components of the portfolio indian stocks global stocks indian bonds and uh, precious metals so the portfolio will be split around these four asset classes so kalpen uh, are you able to you know guide us in today's market condition what kind of allocation would uh, this your fund have divided between international uh, domestic uh, stocks bonds that and of course the silver and uh, gold yeah yeah so you know we feel that uh, at this point in time uh, we we always look at the attractiveness of an asset class because if the asset class is priced fairly sensibly reasonably generally in the next 3 to 5 years it tends to earn uh, you know reasonable returns over inflation ultimately why do we invest you know to all the viewers one of the reason to invest is basically to retain our purchasing power or grow our purchasing power we all know that our biggest enemy of our wealth of our hard earned money is inflation and rising prices generally every year uh, you know world over as well as in india there is a certain level of inflation uh, and that inflation is um, the rate at which the cost of living the cost of education the cost of healthcare all these costs keep uh, going up so on an average that cost varies between 6 to 8% uh, in india at different points in time now if our money does not grow at a rate higher than that over the next 10 15 20 years then we are becoming poorer and poorer so the whole objective of investing is to you know make our portfolio grow or compound at a rate which is 3 4% higher than the rate of inflation and we call this real rate of return so let's say we may have earned 10% return in the last 10 years but if inflation was 9% then the real return earned is only 1% on the other hand we may have earned 8% return and inflation was 5 then the real return earned is 3 so in a way that 8% is actually more attractive than 10 because the real rate of return in that period is higher so the objective of uh, of the design of our multi asset allocation fund is to invest in that asset class relatively more which is available at more attractive prices now in the last 3 4 years post covid particularly they have been characterized by a lot of money being made available by central banks around the world and uh, you know investors at large have also learned the art of uh, investing their money in stock markets directly or via mutual funds so we are at a point in time where uh, stock markets are not most attractive they were very attractive generally they are most attractive in a period of crisis stocks are very attractive when uh, we are going through a bear market because prices are much cheaper than what they deserve to be and any investor who were to invest at that point in time will actually be benefiting from uh, future price uh, rises we are at a point in time today where over the last uh, many years stock markets around the world barring i think uh, china and hong kong barring that part of the world all stock markets around the world generally have been rising at a faster pace uh, on the other hand so so to to some extent equity as an asset class is um, fairly priced not very cheap not very uh, expensive so it's somewhere in the middle right now and keeping that in mind our portfolio will have roughly around 50 to 60% exposure to stocks within which 
Indian stocks will be roughly around 35% of the portfolio and another 20 to 25% will be in global stocks because we are at a point in time where large amount of profit pools are today uh, being created by uh, global companies and uh, you know they are as attractive or in some pockets more attractive than Indian stocks also. In fact, you know, in, in many industries, uh, some of these dominant global companies are cheaper than their counterparts in India as well. So we want our investors to get exposure to both of them. So it will have Indian stocks and global stocks collectively up to 60% exposure. Then uh, the balance between 50 to 65% exposure and the balance 35% will be, you know, broadly split between bonds and gold. Now, again, you know, world over in the last uh, 18 months, interest rates have risen very sharply. Uh, interest rates in US, for example, were as low as 1% uh, after a 20-year decline in interest rates. And in a very short span of time, they've moved up sharply from 1% to 4, 4.5%. In fact, their short-term bonds are at 5. Uh, in India, also interest rates have moved up. Short-term interest rates have moved up from 4 to 7. Long-term interest rates in India have moved up from 6.5 to 7.5. So, in fact, uh, thanks to the way the Reserve Bank and uh, the government of India have conducted our affairs, we have not seen very large shocks in terms of rise in interest rates. But interest rates are now more attractive than what they were three years back. So this is a good time to own uh, bonds in our portfolio versus four years back when we, we were not getting enough compensation to own bonds. Today is a better time. So we want our portfolio to have 15 to 25% in bonds. And then, you know, typically uh, uh, over a long period of time, uh, we have seen gold. Uh, if you look at data for the last 25 years, gold has delivered very similar return to Nifty. Let me just give you one statistical data point. Uh, you know, 25 years back, if you had invested in gold, um, you would have earned around 11% return, CAGR. Now, this is not straight line every year. There are years when it gives you 20%, there are years it gives negative, but on an average, 11%. In the same 25-year period, Nifty, which is equities in India, have earned around 12% return. Now, if you had a portfolio having just a combination of Nifty and gold, 50-50% each, the collective portfolio mathematically should have earned the average of the two which is average of 11 and 12 is 11.5. But actually, if in a single fund, you had invested in these two asset classes and, you know, once every three years rebalanced, which means, you know, reduced, bring it back to 50-50. Any asset class which crosses 50 and goes up, you, you know, sell something and give it back to the other asset class, which has not gone up. That approach, instead of giving you an average of 11.5, would have delivered 12.5% returns. So it would have increased your returns marginally. But more importantly, Equity has significant volatility. Uh, gold also has significant volatility. Um, the unit of that volatility, we define it in a concept called standard deviation. Uh, and let's say the standard deviation of equity is 22 units and of gold is 17 units. But if you mix these two together, the standard deviation or the fluctuation drops to 12 units. So it protects your return, marginally enhances your return, but brings down the fluctuation sharply. Now, this is called uh, you know, real power of asset allocation where you blend asset classes which collectively move in opposite directions many points in time. There are periods of 5-7 years where gold gave zero return and stocks went up by 25%. And there are periods of 5 years where stocks gave zero return between 2008 to 13 when gold went up by 15% every year. Now, in those years when if you were owning only equity and equity was giving zero return but gold was going up, you would have felt compelled to get out of equity and go into gold. But by the time you do that exercise, equity becomes cheap and then equity starts making money. So uh, the whole idea of our portfolio is to have combination of all these four asset classes 
बिकॉज यू नो एट डिफरेंट पॉइंट इन टाइम दे बिहेव डिफरेंटली समटाइम्स इट इज नॉट पॉसिबल टू प्रिडिक्ट द होल आइडिया ऑफ दिस फंड इज दैट यू डू नॉट नीड टू प्रिडिक्ट यू डोंट हैव टू प्रिडिक्ट इन द नेक्स्ट फाइव इयर्स वॉट यू डू वेल वॉट दिस कॉम्बिनेशन एनश्योर्स विल बी दैट वॉट एवर एसेट क्लास गोज अप at least you will be owning a meaningful part of that in your portfolio so that's the whole objective thanks kalpen for the detailed explanation my takeaway was that you know if you combine unrelated securities then the volatility of the portfolio comes down and you can also um, uh, optimize your returns that way a uh, kalpen my next question is who is this fund made for i mean every mutual fund has category has some specification and they are suitable for you know particular uh, sections of investors so who are this multi asset allocation funds made for you know ideally i can say that it's meant for uh, everyone uh, but let me first say who is it not meant for and you know i want to use again data to say it rather than only english Uh, so let's say in the long, long, long term, generally, historically over the last fifty to hundred years, in good countries which have good companies and entrepreneurism and you know respect for capital, equity has earned the best rate of return. So if we take just India's example, uh, in, over a long period of time, Indian equities have earned around twelve to thirteen percent return, and uh, then gold has earned around between ten to eleven percent, so slightly lesser than equity. Global equities. Right now, I am calling it global equities as uh, the index of all the countries uh, and stocks around the country. So there are some 500 stocks in that run by MSCI. That over the last 25 years or 20 years would have earned around 9% return, and then bonds would have earned around 8% return. So if you take the pecking order, it's 13 in equity, 11 in gold, 9 in global equities, and uh, 8 in fixed income. Uh, so now what happens is. Uh, For an investor who says I want the highest return, multi-asset allocation fund may not give the highest return because you know there are over a long period of time equity is going to give you most likely better return than something else. But the journey to on that highest return will have very sharp fluctuations. So if there is an investor who says I am okay with fluctuations, I am okay with volatility, I don't mind fluctuations in between, I don't want to compromise on uh, uh, you know rate of return. I am okay to bear higher volatility for four five years if I earn zero returns in stocks. I am fine. I can digest 20-30 percent falls in between. For such an investor, asset allocation doesn't make sense. Uh, but for an investor who uh, you know gets upset with fluctuations, who who gets scared with fluctuations, then most investors are are like that. We have observed by our you know natural wiring, most human beings uh, do not like fluctuations. In fact, uh, you know we always like to chase the asset class which is rising and get out of the asset class which is falling. Whereas on the contrary, the right way to invest is to do the opposite. so ironically this fund becomes suitable for everyone uh, it's suitable for you know me also because even after spending 25 years in this industry and you know investing my money since 25 years uh, doing it from you know close quarters every day um, whenever stocks go down by 15 20% it bothers me it it uh, you know upsets me uh, now i know that you know it's eventually going to come back uh, uh, and eventually i'm going to make uh, relatively better returns in equity but i cannot in the meantime you know go through the anxiety that if for next 3 4 5 years if stocks go down what do i do if you take countries like japan for 30 years stocks have given zero return if you had invested at the wrong time even in india if you had invested at the wrong time after the harshad mehta scam when stocks went into a bubble in 93 for 10 years returns were zero what happens is as human beings we cannot tolerate long stretches of underperformance in our core asset class and hence uh, these type of solutions which mix all asset classes which cut down the volatility and which allow you to grow at reasonably healthy rates of return so instead of 13% return maybe you learn 11% return 
but that 11 is still not bad compared to you know what inflation is and at half the volatility or at two thirds of the volatility and that's the beauty beauty of uh, that's why I feel it is relevant for all but for those who are very evolved and who feel that you know the best returns are going to come from stock picking and equity as an asset class and I'm willing to sacrifice uh, volatility for such investors this is not suitable got it got it so this is for investor who don't want much volatility and who also doesn't want to spend too much time you know thinking about markets timing the market this is one fund where you get all the asset allocation in one place Karbe, my final question to you is uh, can you talk a little bit about the tax implication of such funds so you know the beauty is that today you know and more so uh, in the last budget it was announced that uh, Funds with 35% and above equities uh, will get the benefit of indexation with 10%, 20% and indexation. Uh, and all other asset classes, like if you invest in gold today, you have to pay high tax at your marginal tax rate. If you invest in bonds or debt fund today or fixed deposits, you have to again pay high tax. If you want to invest in global stocks through global funds or you know direct stocks, you again have to pay tax at your higher tax labs. Um, the beauty of a multi-asset allocation fund is when you mix all of them together in a single product, uh, with minimum 35% in uh, Indian equities, uh, you are eligible for indexation and that brings down your effective tax rates somewhere closer to 10%, 10 to 11%, depending on what inflation is during the period of your uh, stint. So that is the beauty, that it allows you to make uh, returns from other asset classes also far more tax efficient. Got it, got it. So it can, you know, utilize the indexation benefit which is given by the government. And, and yeah. But you know, our design is not keeping tax alone in mind. The design is more keeping in uh, mind the fact that when asset classes mix together, they bring down your volatility and they, you know, allow you to take advantage of cycles. They allow you to rebalance. You know, you can get in and get out uh, with lower um, cost because otherwise, left to yourself to get in and get out of individual asset classes is not very efficient. Uh, tax is one more advantage, but not the starting point for the way we have designed our fund. So, uh, it's in which states, Kalpen, the DSP multi-cap, um, multi-asset al- allocation fund now? Has it been launched or? Uh... No, so we intend to launch it sometime, um, uh, I think, uh, first week of uh, September. Most likely 7th of September is when we intend to launch it. And uh, we'll come with an NFO around that time. Got it. So, Kalpen, before uh, leaving on, uh, can could you please give a book recommendation or, you know, any sort of information that our listeners can, you know, uh, get to, to understand how the markets work, how investing work, or just simple financial planning for themselves? Yeah, I think uh, two books which I have personally liked a lot uh, uh, from Indian authors which give context to personal finance concepts from India particularly uh, are authors, uh, one is P.V. Subramaniam. Um, you know, he's written a book about how to retire rich or, you know, how to uh, take care of money. And there is another book by uh, Monica Hallen. Uh, very recently, she's launched a book on mutual funds, all about mutual funds. So, you know, that's again uh, a very simple and uh, valuable book. So these are two books that investors should read, read to understand personal finance. And I think to be a better investor over time, uh, what we need is we need control over our emotions and our own behavior. And uh, to learn what are the behavioral errors and mistakes we make and how to overcome them, there is a very beautiful book written by Rolf Dobelli called The Art of Thinking Clearly. Uh, so I think between these three books, uh, you will get a lot of valuable learnings. And I would also urge the listeners, uh, not out of selfish interest of representing DSP, but we try to put out a lot of our personal learnings ourselves as uh, you know professionals in DSP on our ha- Twitter handle called um, uh, it's uh, at the rate DSPMF. 
So a lot of our learnings, our readings, our insights, uh, we try to put it out through that handle. So with that, uh, thank you so much, Carvin, for coming to the show, and I hope you come back for another episode. Thank you so much. Look forward. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of today's episode. If you would like to know more about this topic, then you can reach out to me on Twitter. I go by the username at the red session nj or LinkedIn using my full name that is session Ningthao Kongjam. We would be happy to take your suggestions. That's all from our side. Thanks for tuning in. See you in the next episode. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Listener.